0: This is an unexpected episode, I have to tell you, but I need to give a little bit of background into why this is happening. It is now currently just before midnight o'clock here in the Clothfuss, adjacent to the People's People's Couch, where I did in fact just watch part two of the New Jersey reunion twice. I watched it. I yelled at Damien Bellino over FaceTime for about an hour about my thoughts (laughs) on the reunion, attempting to sort of yell at myself Um, and then watch the reunion. Yes, that's correct a second time. And here's the deal with this week. Being an independent podcaster slash content creator, um, although I really err on the side of podcasting, uh, welcome to seven years in, the seven-year itch, as it were, um, is that oftentimes there's a lot going on. And as you guys know, Andy's Girls started and is technically, I have been told, still a podcast based in many ways in discussing the psychology behind The Real Housewives. Now, spoiler alert: Vanderpump Rules is in fact not actually a housewife's show, and yet you may have noticed that over the last (laughs) several weeks, to I guess technically three months, many of the episodes have focused on the scandal. And that's a two-parter. One, this is a conversation literally everyone in the country and also world is having. If it's trending and continues to trend on CNN and the New York Times continues to do profiles of those involved. And Variety has one update after the other, as does The Hollywood Reporter with yet another update exclusive interview with Alex Baskin as of today slash tonight. This is a conversation that is unavoidable, let alone for any number of Bravo content creators. The number two part B slash C, E, X, you know, um, apostrophe other characters that are special that don't matter here, is that I'm genuinely obsessed with it. And oftentimes, I just kind of go with my gut. AG is a stream of consciousness kind of show. You'll know that there are episodes where we might talk about something that happened on a Housewives episode six years ago, or a season, or a person, or a feeling for about 45 minutes. And so for better or worse, many of these episodes have have focused on VPR. And I acknowledge that, you know, if you are an Andy's Girls listener, a Housewife fan, and um, not a VPR viewer, I can totally understand how sort of perplexing it might be that a, a number of these AG Classic <laughs> episodes have focused on VPR. And while I'm so excited, AG is expanding with taking it personally, talking about things in and outside of the Bravo universe and the Housewives canon, that is not necessarily <laughs> helpful to people who are in and of themselves housewife viewers. So I first want to acknowledge and thank those of you who are AGs, who are Housewife Super fans, who are like still listening to AG episodes that have been very focused on the Scandal. Ball. And I have to acknowledge that history taken place the last several weeks with that finale episode. And thank God we can kind of be put to rest with part three of the reunion airing tomorrow. And I'm thinking to myself, AG is typically two episodes a week. We have Taking It Personally, which I'm very excited about. New episode will be out on Friday. Um, but how am I going to discuss everything else happening in the Bravo universe when I technically only have one episode left potentially of AG Classic. Noting the Orange County premiere I have been told is still happening tomorrow even though I truly think everyone in the entire universe is going to be talking about the last five minutes of Vanderpump Rules and also talking about our reactions to the last five minutes of Vanderpump Rules and talking about our reactions to our reactions to the last five minutes of Vanderpump Rules. And Orange County allegedly is still planning to occur. And then tonight's New Jersey reunion happened. And I have to tell you, I know there are a number of people beginning with Andrew Cohen who are tired, essentially in spiritual duress, about the Teresa Melissa Mishagas. But I need to say that I think this Seemingly, emergency episode of AG needed to exist because knowing that VPR is soon upon us, and Lord knows that's going to be a big topic of conversation. And also, hashtag I stand for Shan. I think New Jersey deserves just a little bit of individual time, and I say that having just watched the episode twice discussing it on Instagram stories, essentially recapping the entirety of that episode with my live reaction to what I watched took place. And I thought it was a wild episode. And so potentially, perhaps the scheduling of AG Classic, bear with me over the course of, I would say, probably the next 10 days, (laughs) because you guys might be getting a couple extra bonus episodes. And Lord knows what I'm going to share on the AG Patreon because there's so much happening. And I think this week, especially with Orange County, allegedly Atlanta is still continuing. Apologies. They're not giving me a ton, not getting a ton to organically feel inspired to discuss. Here we are at episode five, still quite a season ahead, but Um, I'm watching it. I hope I get some sort of attendance certificate there um, over in Atlanta. Uh, But with Orange County happening and what could potentially be a, a good episode or at least an episode that I I'm going to want to discuss because of Tamara's return. And again, hashtag I stand for Shan. And because New Jersey was a fucking wild ass ride, I felt like we need to just have a little bit of a conversation. Now, here's the thing with New Jersey. I have heard from so many of you who are like, I'm not watching this season. I'm I'm not into it. I don't feel it. And I understand that as a former Housewives completionist who discussed A feeling of almost like a little not giving myself permission, let's say, to not watch certain seasons or episodes that I think are going to be honestly dumb. Um, I get that and I understand it. What I would recommend is that you watch this reunion cycle. The second episode, we're two episodes into the reunion. Obviously, part three is next week. This tonight's episode of the New Jersey reunion was so fucking nuts and so intense that I just needed to provide some sort of clarifying background, I would say, and some initial thoughts because obviously with VPR upon us and the Orange County premiere, and because AG is that stream of consciousness style of conversation i just wanted to make sure <laughs> that i gave it some time initially and immediately to react to what is going on this is not going to be a recap you guys know i don't play that game i i love it in the words of louie this evening or really rather in the um, teaser for next week let's play while i don't typically do um I really have probably ever done in 400 plus episodes of AG Classic um, a single you know official recap episode because that is a talent that I think is fantastic to have and fantastic shows to listen to. This is just not that kind of show, not not that kind of setup. This is not going to be the X Y Z. Here's what happened. Here's what down. Here's what down. And then you know there was a commercial and Shannon was on it selling lemons or whatever lemon pills. Um, This is not that kind of vibe. Uh, While I do admire Shannon and her real for real. I just need to get real with my little lemons in a bowl and sidebar. I have looked at lemon ornaments for Christmas. While I am a a Jew, I am Hebrew, I am a member of the the chosen people, um, as we have anointed ourselves. Uh, I don't have any Christmas ornaments, but I truly did look at the most beautiful lemon ornament during this past Christmas season, because I love Christmas ornaments. I love the Christmas season. I love looking at the holiday windows on Fifth Avenue. Um, I love a little merry Jewish. I'm very into it, even though I do not have a Hanukkah bush. But I did at one point look at a lemon ornament, and I thought to myself, can I afford to get nine of these in a bowl? And I do have a bowl. I was honored by my alma mater a couple years ago um, as a young alum, and I carry that with me Uh, less so because of the honor and more because they said I was young. Um, And so I thought to myself, can I put nine of these in a bowl? And it was just too expensive. And they were actually kind of big. And I feel like as a stan of Shan, is one lemon ever enough? Can Can I do that to my queen? Shouldn't I follow her counsel, you know, the energy that we have felt through the seasons? Um, noting she's had quite an interesting week after running into David Bedore at The Quiet Woman and um, having him deign to actually communicate with her and remember that she is, in fact, a human person in his life. She went on Jeff Lewis Live and uh, said that typically he hangs up the phone if one of his children speaks to her in the background or her name is referenced. What a guy. But after a couple rounds of turtle time apparently he uh, that he had engaged in I'm sure her as well um she went up to him and was like listen I'm not letting you leave until we get a picture together for our kids so they took a photo and then he allowed for it to become public because he said allegedly while joking I assume that he needed more followers and then it turns out that photo she didn't realize at the time but she had um like parsley or some sort of herb in stock in her teeth, so it looks like she has a missing tooth. Anyway, all this to say, much like Shannon Bedore hashtag Nine Lemons in a Bowl, I felt like this was the kind of episode in which I needed to dive in, and that was just a friendly little journey, a, a little bit of a um, uh, David Foster Wallace style um, schlep into the the notes here deep within a G classic. Just to say that there's a lot going on, but we need to talk about. New Jersey, um, as I will continue to now. This is going to be a wild fucking nuts episode, I'm going to tell you that. So while obviously this is not a recap, there were a couple elements that I needed to discuss and unpack. I felt the need to. I was genuinely, truly inspired by that reunion cycle. And again, while not a completionist, as discussed in the episode with Kate Arthur, I would encourage people who have tapped out of New Jersey to potentially tap back in for the reunion cycle in and of itself, if not the original episodes. Um, I think that was the original thought I was making, but um, who even knows? I felt like the theme of part two of the reunion was it's not just the crime, it's the cover-up, which is not the exact original phrase, but an important clarifying spiritual imperative behind what it was that we watched take place. And I think the problem for Teresa is that Louis is at the heart of both an alleged crime and an alleged cover up. Not saying he did anything illegal, but in the crime of gossiping, of contacting private investigators, and of doing things, and maybe not, where intent and impact matter at varying degrees, depending on who actually is speaking or yelling at each other while Andy sits in painful silence, is at the heart of this. And it is of, I think, probably significant consequence for how Teresa and Louis envision their role on Housewives moving forward and the reality of what is actually going to happen. Because at the end of the day, I would say, regardless of how perfect Louis seems and how fully and appreciatively he loves his new wife, there are cameras present. And so the cameras and editors and our perspectives and biases are going to be a part of the conversation from here out. Unfortunately, Louis is no longer the guy Cameoing at a reunion to like bring Teresa a precious flower or whatever, he's going to have a significant role. And while that for Louis probably sounded v- very wonderful and exciting, I think the kind of role in this very specific, almost narrowly focused form of reality TV is not going to pan out for him as well as he. Assumes and probably continues to. I think that Teresa and Louis are obviously in a honeymoon period of their relationship, which sort of has nothing to do with their wedding. Um, the love bubble absolutely continues, but it's going to pop at a certain point, not necessarily for either of them, but for the rest of us. And I say that with the understanding that trigger warning, I absolutely understood and was screaming about Melissa's performance. Now that might be difficult for any three to four tree huggers who are still remaining able to listen to AG Classic after years of conversation about Teresa. Now when I started watching this season and for many many episodes hours of content specific to this season alone in talking about Teresa versus Melissa I found myself empathizing and discussed the fact that while historically I have leaned more on the Melissa end of the Melissa V. Tree political spectrum, I understood a lot of what Teresa was saying. I empathized with her journey, and I appreciated the work that she seemed to be doing on herself, work that I assume continues in going to therapy and then even opening herself up to listening and having conversations, even if they're ones, or potentially especially if they're ones uh, that are not in direct conversation with her brother and sister-in-law. And so there are any number of episodes where a person who leans potentially more on the Teresa side of the Teresa Vimalis political spectrum might appreciate hearing that perspective. And I'm always open to nuance but I am also someone who is fairly confident about having an opinion. Not to say that my opinion is right, but to say that I feel fairly comfortable about having a voice and using it. And I acknowledge the fact that one of the framework themes of Andy's Girls is normalize changing your mind based on new information. And I think that's a lot of what has happened, to my opinion, over the last even just most recent couple weeks of watching New Jersey play out, because I have watched with increasing levels of duress, Louie kind of lose his shit and probably more fully reveal himself. I think when I started watching the season, when he came in, when I saw on social media texts being revealed about the ways that he was really engaged in trying to heal Joe, Melissa, and Teresa's relationship, I found myself really empathizing with him. And even when there were potential red flags that were revealed, the warrior stuff, the beachside video, some elements of behavior that I found confusing and not necessarily in line with the Louis that I saw on television, I still had some nuance here. I still felt like, well, okay, well, this is probably a complicated person, but that's not to say he can't offer good in terms of this relationship. And also, it was odd to me that Joe and Melissa seemed to have tapped out of really working and healing on their dynamics, primarily with Tree. And then over the course of the last couple episodes, I understood more fully, or was able to better appreciate or even understand why they were so non committal, so actively non committal about wanting to engage in a conversation about moving forward with Teresa because there was such an enormous loss of faith. And I thought that was specific to two pretty large, in their minds, boundary breaking, maybe not boundary breaking, but like, um, uh, feeling like there were promises unfulfilled about moving on together because they felt like they were being fucked with in two parts. One is this pre-recording, pre-filming, private meeting between a- whomever, according to whomever you believe, either Louis and Joe or Louis slash, you know, half-orchestrated, um, uh, scheduled by Louie and Tree, or, you know, Joe and Louie and Tree there for some of it. This meeting in which it was shared to Joe that his wife was potentially stepping out. Now, if you are listening to Joe, Melissa, who wasn't there, but heard about it shortly thereafter, or even Jen Aiden's responses to that meeting, Joe was very, very upset about what he was told. According to so far Teresa's explanation of the meeting, we haven't heard fully from Louie about that yet. I'm sure we will next week. The meeting was not intended in which to have some sort of intervention style conversation with Joe, where they were informing him that Melissa was cheating, it was just to tell Joe that Margaret was a bad friend and that there were rumors that were being spread by Margaret and possibly Margaret's former best friend, new nemesis, Laura, about Melissa potentially making out with someone in a car, except that then became uh, allegedly, according to what Louis allegedly told Joe, a series of affairs that definitely occurred. If you ask Teresa so far, representing herself and her husband, the conversation was only to show that Margaret was spreading information. If you ask Joe or Jen Aiden, who talked about Joe's reaction to this on the new uh, part two of the reunion episode... It was to share that Melissa was a bad wife, cheating on her husband, engaged in potentially multiple affairs. Now, the fact that Gia called Joe after this meeting, and according to Melissa and Joe, said you can do better than your wife, that would seem to support their version of events that this conversation was not intended to protect Joe and Melissa from Margaret's rumors, it was intended to tell Joe, warn him, share information, try to convince him to leave his wife, or just tell him that some really intense bad stuff was going down. And that is problematic because as Melissa referenced repeatedly, and I thought effectively on tonight's episode, if that conversation happened only because They were warning Joe and Melissa about these fake rumors they didn't believe. Why wasn't Melissa asked to attend? Why wasn't she present? And that set off a torrent of uh, yelling and arguments and insults and a fair amount of sass between Melissa and Teresa tonight. But that's just, to me, one reason why Joe and Melissa have not been engaging, in the words of Meredith Marks, with Teresa and Louis this season, why it feels like they were incredibly hands-off. The other part of that is this whole pizza oven mishap, which maybe we'll get into on next week's episode. I don't actually even know if there's time because of the theme of this week when we talk about the fact that it's all about crime and the cover up because an enormous amount of this week's episode was discussing whether or not Louis has hired private investigators to dig up information on the rest of the cast. Now the presentation and reveal of that to me was shocking. Um things that Louie potentially did there are some off-camera shenanigans that happened that uh, were revealed today in page six that hopefully I will get to on this episode. If not, I will certainly cover it on Patreon, where his um, ex-fiance filed a restraining order according to page six. This was just revealed today, interesting timing, knowing that um, the this was... Um, Uh, published um, on the New York Post literally two and a half hours before the uh, reunion aired, that um, his ex, Louis' ex-fiancee, who currently works as a licensed therapist specializing in narcissistic abuse, um, claims that she recently discovered that one of her patients was allegedly likely hired by Bo (laughs) Deedle, everyone's new catchphrase, but also a human person, by hired by private investigator um, Bo Deedle to potentially spy on her. Um, this was a person who used an alias, um, which was then traced to, I guess, their real name, which apparently is someone who may actually be on Bo Deedle's team and uh, had these therapeutic sessions with his ex-fiancé, now a licensed therapist, where this... Seemingly uh, real person patient was asking a lot of information about the therapist's relationship with Louis or ex. So the conversation around Louis and Bo Deedle and private investigators seems to be going on even outside of the world of Real Housewives. Although surely Louis and Teresa's response to this will likely include some idea that this person is seeking revenge on him, potentially because of his role now on Real Housewives, just based on how they have responded to other things. So the conversation around private investigators and Louie is seemingly happening in real time outside the Housewives universe. But obviously, this news about this restraining order is going To likely um, be posed to other cast members because of what's happening on TV. So, allegedly, this is all Michigas that's as of now not being discussed on camera since it was filed today or at least announced to us today um, an off camera shenanigan involving Louie and a private investigator. So, there's that. There is Um, calling and threatening Marge's son, which was new information released on today's episode, Uh, someone with Louie's phone number called a private business number, I guess, and seemingly threatened Marge's adult son at their place of work. Now, how this Louie person would know to call Marge's son and where this person worked. I don't know how much digging was required to do that. I do not have any interest in truly even Googling the names of Marge's children, none of whom we have seen uh, ever occur on an episode ever uh, appear, rather, on an episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. So who knows if they have a LinkedIn available? Who knows if this was the work of a private investigator or something else? But someone called Marge's child at their place of work and threatened them, saying that they were Louis Ruelas, Teresa's husband, calling from his number. Uh, The police were involved. Margaret's obviously very upset. She brought phone records with her to the reunion. And as of now, since Louis doesn't appear until the next episode on the couch, we do not yet have his response that is another thing that is being accused of Louis. So there's the off-camera stuff with his ex-fiancee that's continuing. There is hiring a private investigator, which he said during the finale episode of New Jersey, then sort of recanted on the uh, uh, episode of Watch What Happens that he appeared in with Teresa immediately following. There is the information that Bo Deedle said about how he's never been hired and hasn't done anything specific to members of the Jersey cast. He then said in that Page Six article that he um, can't speak because of confidentiality on whether or not Louis has hired him for other investigations, Uh, i.e. the fiancé or other stuff. But that's specific to the cast that essentially Louis was speaking out of turn when, during the finale, he shared that he has files on every single person in the cast because he hired Bo Deedle. Now there's conversation between um, fans of what does this mean? Does this mean that Bo Deedle, who Louis said on the finale episode was his best friend, that Bo had done stuff maybe under the table, that he wasn't uh, that he wasn't financially compensated, but had done something um, anyway. Or that there, it's really a semantics question and not a question of payment. I mean, who really even knows? Bo Deedle has shared in a video on um, social media and to the New York Post that he was never hired by um, Louis Ruelas. Now, what does this all mean when it comes to Bo's involvement in any of this? I really, truly do not know. I genuinely am not sure. Um, It it is all honestly so incredibly confusing. And there are sources in that Page Six article um, that include obvious people who are sources speaking on background who are not um, allowing their names to be used. Um, who say that he did hire Bo. There's a source who confirms to page six that Ruales hired Bo to protect, quote unquote, protect him and his family, but did not disclose exact details about the investigations. I can think of a couple people who that source might be. Um, but Bo Deedle himself says that he was not hired to investigate any of the housewives, housewives specifically, and reiterated that he, this is Straight quotes. Again, reiterated, he has never looked into any of the Bravo celebrities, but declined to confirm or deny allegations pertaining to the ex fiance. He said, this is a direct quote, we were never hired by Louis Ruelles to do any backgrounds on any cast members from the Real Housewives of New Jersey. As far as whether he hired us for potential private investigations, that's confidentiality. We've been in business 38 years. We're a very professional private investigating company, and everything we do is through the laws, and everything we do is above any kind of negativity. I assume he was on a phone call when he shared that quote, and it was not, um, you know, grammatically put together in a way that I think would be... um ever so eloquent but also I don't think Boditel is being hired because of his linguistic capacity but because he can find dirt on people in which dirt is uh found and look at me saying things in sentences that maybe or maybe maybe not make sense now the i would think thing that think the th- <laughs> I'm talking about sentences and I can't talk. It's after midnight. What do you want from me? The word that I think people are going to focus on is hired when he says we were never hired by Louis to do any backgrounds on any cast members. I think that some people are going to say, not necessarily as a conspiracy theorist, but maybe what does hired mean? Does hired mean he wasn't paid? Do those folders exist? And what does it mean, by the way, if they don't? What does it mean if Louie, as he tried to walk back and watch what happens live after, didn't actually have any files? What does that mean when he's saying that that didn't occur and he was speaking out of turn when he was upset, because he was upset, when during tonight's reunion episode, there were examples of cast members saying that their relatives have been contacted as a direct result of these quote-unquote folders, these investigations taking place. It is very hard to be in Louis's position saying, I did this thing, I didn't do this thing, I have no idea why actions occurred as a result of this thing, and also I did do this thing. And that is what we watched happen over the course of 44 minutes plus commercials. So back to the things that Louis allegedly did. Off-camera shenanigans with his ex fiance hiring a private investigator, which might be Bo Dietl, and by hire we don't know that he was financially compensated, but also financial compensation did come up in one of Teresa's responses supporting that idea, so who the fuck knows. Calling and threatening Marge's child. Being unprofessional with Frankie Jr. That came up in an, um previously unseen scene between Frank Sr. and Joe Gorka in which Frank discussed the fact that he was, I would think, bewildered by the fact that little Frankie, Frank Jr., Frankie Jr., also known as Frankie, um, also known as, like, the hot son, uh, was um, confused by being ghosted by his then boss, Louie. That Frankie, who, as we had been told at a certain point, was working with Louis at his financial impact company. I don't even know what the fuck you would call it. Um, Lead integration, management, creation stuff, et cetera, whatnot. That he had been told that or had discovered that Louis was closing down shop on that company and then and who even knows if it was a lead generation company or another company, I'm very confused, and then couldn't get Louis on the phone, that he was essentially being ghosted by this man and didn't know what to do and if he still had a job. Now, Frank came into the reunion very hot about that, um, in addition to potentially being investigated by Bo Deedle or someone else. So we are not quite sure... About the reasoning that we are going to hear um relating to why Frankie was ghosted by Louie, but I'm sure there will be some sort of um, uh, excuse given on the next episode. Back to other things that Louie did, possibly getting involved with Rachel Fuda's son's biological mom who was contacted who's place of residence, Um, I believe that she is currently away at camp or maybe not, was released or revealed and that there were, obviously that information was shared by someone who according to Rachel and John Fuda was led to Rachel Fuda's son's biological mom because of the work of a private investigator. Obviously, another thing that Louis did, having this conversation with Joe about repeated affair rumors and not telling Melissa. Now, the oddity about that moment, and again, the theme of this being it's the crime but also the cover-up, is the two-parter. It's about the Melissa affairs and about the private investigator. And the response to the Melissa affair rumor was, again, another release of information. It turns out that Jen Aiden had told Melissa about these rumors that Marge or Laura or Marge and Laura, depending on who you believe, had discussed or created or were spreading Before filming began, or at least off camera. This was new information to several people in the cast, and seemingly Andy, and most definitely Danielle, because what we watched over the course of this season was Jen Aiden referencing these rumors, being the person to the first person to bring them up on camera and tell Danielle. And in Jen's words at the reunion, telling her because she sort of didn't want it to be discussed on camera or something, um, and seemingly obviously, Danielle was used as a little bit of a scapegoat, or or really more obviously as a pawn in a setup, so that Danielle would be told. I don't even know if any of this makes sense, but also this is why you need to fucking watch up two of the reunion because it was absolutely goddamn nuts. So essentially, in a nutshell, there were these rumors that Melissa made out with somebody in a car or whatever. And prior to filming beginning, there was that private meeting between Joe and Louie and maybe also Teresa. And it wasn't discussed by Melissa. There was no idea that Melissa had awareness until the finale episode when she revealed that actually she had known about this meeting because, of course, Joe told her. And um, then every all shit hell broke loose. Things burned down. An Ireland-themed party was no longer. The reveal of the new information on the episode. Look at me sounding like I'm doing a recap when I'm really trying in my absolute power (laughs) to do that. In this reunion episode, it was revealed that, in fact, Jen Aiden had actually told Melissa before the season began, or at least off camera, about these rumors. That is absolutely new information that changes the dynamic of Jen's behavior. It looked like Jen was saying to her new friend Danielle, new housewife, um, potentially easily swayed, Hey, listen, there's this rumor and this thing going on, but we cannot tell Melissa this very wild information that might impact her relationship because it has to do with allegations she was maybe having an affair or rather just cheating on Joe. This wasn't a scandal, it was a Melissa Mishigas. So there was something happening, but we can't tell her, wink, wink, but we're on a TV show and there are high stakes. What are you going to do with that information? Danielle responds, Oh, I, I think she should know that there's this stuff being said about her. And, and Jen Aiden reacts with shock. Oh my God. Well, I mean, if you want to send this and share this information with Melissa, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but who am I to stand in your way? The other reveal of information. Related to that is Jen Aiden said on camera, privately to Danielle, I think during the Ireland trip, that Teresa believes those rumors. That once again is shared information from Jen Aiden that supports what Joe Gorga and Melissa are saying, because in Teresa's defense of her behavior, this was all about intent. What Teresa said over the course of the episode was that Melissa and Joe were performing and questioning Teresa's good intent in order to have a storyline. The problem with that is that there are examples by cast members who are not actually aligned with Melissa who are saying things that support Melissa and Joe expressing that Teresa and Louis had bad intent. Jen Aiden happens to be at the heart of two of them when it concerns allegations that Melissa cheated. One of those, as I said, was telling, I mean, telling, telling Danielle about all of this and not telling producers or the audience or, most importantly, Danielle, that she had already discussed this stuff with Melissa. She was presenting it as new information that Melissa absolutely couldn't know that she did not want to communicate with Melissa, but that could be damaging. Jen seemingly actively misled Danielle so that this information could be shared with Melissa at a finale episode. Not exactly garnering a kumbaya-esque response. How could it? But the new information we were told at the reunion was that a conversation had already occurred with Jen, Aiden, and Melissa which calls into question Jen Eden needing to discuss this at all, let alone discussing the fact that, God forbid, Melissa couldn't find out because of how damaging it could be. When, as we now know, as Danielle newly now knows, what a word sandwich, it was actually information Melissa had already been told. What was interesting was in addition to Jen Eden saying, Teresa believes it, during the Ireland trip, Jen Eden also shared in a couple moments when she was trying to add in insults or things to potentially hurt Joe and Melissa's character in sharing that the coffee reader, who's technically professionally a nurse, who also happened to be No-No's nurse, mentioned prior to the reading that Melissa didn't See, no, no, often, which was obviously added in as sort of a non sequitur by Jen Aiden during part two of the reunion, sort of to fuck with her. Um, but also, that allegedly Melissa told Jen Aiden that Joe shared about that reunion that happened between Teresa, Louie, and Joe. Do you, can you believe how disgusting my sister is? Now, that was shared as a way to show Joe Gorga's poor character by calling his sister disgusting, which, yeah, could you say that that is not something a brother should say about his sister? Sure. But it actually does the exact opposite of what Jen Eden intended. Instead of being an example of Joe Gorga's poor character, to me, in my humble opinion, spoiler alert, I have one, trigger warning. Bias, as we all have, we all at this point, I think most of us feel one way or the other about Teresa v. Melissa and Joe with Louie, special cast member, who unfortunately for Teresa and Louie is like totally at the center of this. At this point, specific to this season, you are at this point likely going to feel a certain way about Teresa or Melissa, even if the feeling you have at the absolute forefront is complete exhaustion a sense of uh, almost bitterness about the fact that we are, once again, understandable bitterness, bitterness I completely appreciate and have also felt at moments this season about the fact that this is happening yet again. Exhaustion. I don't want to do this anymore. There is a pretty good decent likelihood that even if you feel that way and haven't watched these episodes, you probably still have an opinion based on a decade of watching Teresa and Melissa's behavior. So in hearing that response from Jen Aiden, certainly there is a feeling here that some of Jen Aiden's efforts are not necessarily panning out in the way she absolutely more than likely intended. What's also interesting is that the reveal of information, while possibly new to Andy and most obviously new to us... Is not actually new to other people on the couch. For example, it seemed like the vast majority of the couch of the cast, rather sitting on the couch on their people's people's couches. I'm um, well, not really honestly. I thought that was a fabulous set, but anyway, that the reveal of information about Margaret's son possibly being harassed by someone calling from Louis's number, saying that they were Louis Ruelas doing things that seem to only potentially um, relate to Louis or um, benefit Louis, which is an important part of this, was not new information to the people on the couch. I was very confused by Teresa's responses to some of these reveals. We have seen Teresa lose her shit over arguably a whole lot less. Even the idea that someone would talk about The video of Louis at his like warrior Airbnb on that California beach or whatever, even someone mentioning that members of the Bravo community were discussing this and maybe raising an eyebrow or three, revealed a fury in Teresa that we might think we see on more occasions than we actually do. It was the through line of the entirety of last season. And also, what the fuck is happening with Jackie and Evan as well? Now, if you ask Teresa, the responsibility, uh, the person who should carry the weight of um, any rumors about Jackie and Evan's marriage and any negative discussion or critique about Margaret, uh, sorry, about Louie is on Margaret. Teresa attempted repeatedly to equalize and equate the idea of Louie working with private investigators. As the same thing as Margaret maybe getting DMs from Bravo content creators, talking to her former best friend, Laura, and gossiping. Now, this gets into the idea of an arsenal, which was a through line of this season, something that pissed Marge the fuck off. The idea that um, cast members would be saying that Marge brings with her an arsenal. Which is to say that she always has some sort of weaponry based in words, that she's always keeping some sort of gossip or maybe insults or um, the release and reveal of information in her back pocket that she will use accordingly. One could argue a primary example of Margaret's arsenal is saying on camera that she heard that Bill Aiden had had an affair, which was another significant portion of the reunion I will not discuss on this non-recap episode of Andy's Girls because the Louis shit is so fucking complicated and I still have a few more things (laughs) I have to address. So there was a a seeming equalization of um, Margaret gossiping, you know, trying to do some producing work spiritually or otherwise, literally, at the end of the day and equating that with hiring a private investigator and also possibly making threats to children of uh, existing cast members. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years, with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off, Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa, ovs. Introducing Home Threads where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves, and always at the best value unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkels-clad, Ten-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got, along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling, thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef. One egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City, which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen Teresa's response to Melissa and Joe's upset about those cheating allegations is that her hypothesis, which I think a lot of people could potentially agree with, is that Melissa and Joe were manipulating their reaction to that meeting, for example, as storyline. That the only reason they were upset was, in Teresa's words, because they were looking for an excuse not to go to the wedding or because they were sacrificing their relationship with Teresa for storyline or plot. This is an existing critique that continues to go on in the Bravo universe by people who lean more on the Teresa side of the political spectrum, uh, certainly tree huggers, or maybe people who do maintain a place of neutrality or rather nuance in saying, I may be don't fuck with Teresa or Melissa, or I fuck with both of them because there are aspects of this that I understand and potentially agree with. I'm not going to say that to say Melissa and Joe are overreacting as storyline is inaccurate. I'm not going to say that it's potentially false. But the problem with Teresa making that argument is according to the reveal of information that Jen shared while trying to defend Teresa, or rather malign Melissa, which can do both, uh, Joe was genuinely upset that he said in that private conversation between Melissa and Jen Aiden that he called his sister disgusting and said that what she did during that meeting was gross, that you know the, the fact that Gia called and, and told Joe, you can do better. It sounds like he was very, very upset, not only about the way that that information was presenting to him, but that there was no respect to his wife, who was not present which is a very, very, very significant part of this. And that, to me, contradicts the way that Teresa is framing some of this action as only being examined through the lens of Melissa and Joe's intention. That if Melissa and Joe had malintent, that takes away from any action that could possibly be done. That one has to look at that private meeting that Melissa wasn't invited to any of these private investigations or anything else, that only happened either as a chain reaction to someone else's behavior, most obviously Melissa and Joe and also Margaret through the vessel and vehicle of Laura or Margaret in and of herself, that some of this stuff was either equal to other cast members' behavior done as a chain reaction or, more confusingly, didn't actually occur. And I bring that up because I need to circle back to the Rachel Fuda reveal that her son, who we watched her go through the potential adoption process over the course of this season, who she revealed during the reunion episode she has since adopted formally, that her son's biological mother was contacted and potentially information was shared because of a private investigator. Teresa's response to that reveal was confusing, noting that her response to the Margaret Joseph's reveal that her child was contacted by someone who said that they were Louis calling from Louis's phone was confusing because the way that she reacted to both was inconsistent, but also not surprising. According to Margaret Joseph's, the police have been contacted. There's been a process that's taken place. She called Dolores, very, very upset. And Teresa's reaction to this was uh, inconsistent with her character previously when she denied that either activities had happened or she denied any kind of negative characterization of Louis as anything other, or even question of Louis, or concern about Louie was anything other than a directed attack against Teresa herself. So when Rachel Fuda brought up, again, I really truly hope that any of this makes any kind of sense, but also this is why, spoiler alert, you need to watch this fucking episode, Um, Teresa responded to Rachel in a way that felt too casual and in a way that appeared like, well, If you were, if your now husband was being accused of hiring private investigators and potentially upsetting this child, wouldn't you be upset about that? And it felt like she was stealing herself for what she seemed to know an awful lot about, especially because the police were involved, especially because the police were involved specific to the situation with Margaret and her son, and because of all of these questions around Rachel Fuda and her son's bio mom being contacted. So Teresa did a couple things. She reacted very casually. She compared it to Margaret gossiping. She also said it didn't happen. She then said the only reason that Margaret hasn't hired a private investigator is because she didn't have the money and again said Margaret was the reason all of this occurred. Now, there's a big difference between the um, uh, trying to get information privately and publicly. To me, maybe not to Teresa, most obviously not to Teresa according to repeated statements over the course of this reunion cycle so far, Teresa believes that, for example, pulling this out of my ass, calling somebody in Paramus or whatever and saying, oh, do you know so-and-so? Have you heard this thing? Or a friend of mine told me uh, something or other, yada, yada. And having a shoot-the-shit conversation or having a turtle time or whatever else with people you know or might not, or engaging in conversation, maybe with people in and outside the Bravo community, content creators or whomever else, over Instagram DMs or something, is the same thing as hiring a private investigator, paying this person or not, to procure information that affects family members of cast members in a way that to me is very different from even what's going on with Jen Aiden and her family, not to take away from the impact of the reveal of Bill's affair on Jen's children, which is ongoing and complicated and um, difficult to even hear about because it's upsetting. Uh, But to go through the process of engaging with a private investigator is just different. It's different. It's different to engage with someone to do that kind of work. And I think Teresa understands that, even though she says she doesn't, because she repeatedly said that these things didn't take place. But the difficulty with that is that she also seemed to say, well, my husband has the money to do this and you don't. If this thing didn't happen, we wouldn't be talking about the cash used in which to do it. And while Bodiedel has shared publicly that he wasn't paid for any potential folders relating to specific cast members on NJ, that doesn't mean he and Louis haven't engaged together on other investigations, and I also don't know the impact of investigations or communication or contact with members uh, of the cast's family, people who are not actually actively on the show, including adult children of cast members who have, until this point, remained private. It is really fucking confusing. Teresa's reactions were very, very confusing. And a lot of this, I really, this might be upsetting to people who are team Melissa. I don't while Teresa needs to be held accountable for her behavior, as does Melissa, as does anybody else in those couches, and LOL on any of that actually occurring. So much of this is connected to Louis himself that I have to wonder: like, with Marge gossiping. About X, Y or Z, or, or doing things on camera that I may or may not agree with, would that happen? regardless of Marge's like relationship with Joe, LOL, of, of, with Joe the plumber? Uh, of course, it's, it's Marge. It's how she conducts herself, how she shares information, the way she talks and connects. With this stuff with Teresa and Louie. I don't know if that conversation with Joe would have occurred if Louie was not a part of Teresa's life. It's entirely possible it would have because it felt very, very similar to Strippergate and other examples we've seen of conversation about Melissa that's strategized when that stuff is shared on camera and off. So it's possible that that might have happened. But the majority of this is really not about the questions about Melissa's cheating It's really about these private investigations taking place. And there was an interesting moment when um, Marge was sharing that this uh, situation had taken place where her child was contacted at their place of work and threatened, where Teresa started texting on her phone. And that at a point, minutes later, um, there was a conversation around spoofing which Andy discussed. He said that there's some sort of, I think he called it a hack, but I forget, honestly. Um, Another reason to LOL, watch the episode. That Andy said there's some weird thing that's been going on where members of the cast have received seemingly masked phone calls from what looks like other members of the cast. Like maybe it pops up in your phone, Melissa Gorga's calling, Andy Press accepting the phone call, and there's dead air that it's not actually, that it's some sort of weird tech manipulation or something else, like essentially someone is trolling or who even knows what, um, attempting to show that they are calling from a cast member whose name appears, but there's nobody um, there when he answers the phone. And this has happened to several members of the cast. Teresa was very quick to say that spoofing has occurred and She showed or shared that over the course of them even discussing what happened with uh, Marge's child, that she had actually received, oddly enough, in a fascinating uh, exchange of timing and the world, two missed calls from Margaret, who obviously hadn't called Teresa. She wasn't on her phone. She was accusing Teresa's husband of potentially harassing her child. Now, the fact that Teresa had just been shown texting. And the fact that Louis, along with everyone else's spouses, um, were backstage uh, in two kind of like um, uh, two little like individual groups of guys kind of groaning about Louis. And then I guess Louis, shirtless, um, delighting in his presence. Um, it doesn't really look like that just happened. Um in a, a turn of like wild timing that happens to support Teresa's argument that the person who called and threatened Margaret uh, with phone records, Margaret presented, um, which she also said was at the point of contention with a police investigation. Um, and by contention, I mean evidence uh, that it didn't necessarily support Teresa's argument that oh look, because someone called me and it shows on my phone that it was Margaret. Um, And that just happened randomly over the course of this reunion cycle. That means that the person who called uh, Margaret's child at work definitely 100% wasn't Louie. And the problem with that is that Teresa very clearly and quickly referred to spoofing as the thing that took place. It was a word used by other members of the cast and something that I found pretty confusing. Because, shout out to hashtag old audio, technology is not something I am necessarily known for. I'm known for sass, using words incorrectly, writing sometimes, and collecting shoes. I'm not known for my technology appeal. If any of you remember an episode previously with Brian Hoolihan, I spilled either water or Diet Sunkist on my laptop And then continued recording instead of turning it off during, I think, the height of COVID when Zoom was the thing that we did. And tried lapping it up with uh, an article of clothing (laughs) instead of turning off the computer. Rest in peace, by the way, (laughs) that computer, which was in the process of dying while I pretended water helps it hydrate and makes it grow stronger than ever. A mother's milk, shall we say. Um, That is not, in fact, how laptops and liquids interact. Anyway, I did a little bit of a Google. um, Again, noting it is now very close to 1 o'clock in the morning. But here we are at AGC-SPAN. To the Computing Technology Industry Association, which is a leading voice and advocate for the 5 trillion global information technology ecosystem, and the estimated 75 million industry and tech professionals who design, implement, manage, and safeguard the technology that powers the world's economy. Now, speaking of the world's economy, um, do you are you a member of the Andy Girls Patreon? Because I really don't even know what I'm doing at this point in my life. <laughs> as it is 1 a.m., and I googled, how does spoofing work? Now, what CompTIA informed me is that spoofing happens when cyber criminals use deception to appear as another person or source of information. That person can manipulate today's economy, I mean, quite literally today, such as email services and messages or the underlying protocols that run the internet. I assume that those are the text messages and phone calls that I get from the, like, LOL fake IRS saying you need to do this thing. Hey, it's Susan from um the United States, just calling cuz I have a hyperlink to wwwmoneypleaseorg creedthoughts.com. And so typically spoofing involves some site of some type of pretext followed by an action statement, and it seems that there are many forms of spoofing according to CompTIA phone caller IDs, Um, An attacker uses a phone app or piece of hardware to falsify caller information. The telephone network has no real way to verify that the phone number has been uh, falsified and forwards that information to the user. GPS, websites, facial authentication systems such as those on an Android or iPhone, IP addresses, domain name systems, address resolution, and so much more. The sort of underlying foundation of spoofing, according to CompTIA, is that there is some sort of initial believable assertion or lie where the attacker comes up with a convincing story, that lie might involve a request from authority, and an action statement telling the victim what they should do, such as click a link or enter some information on a form. It might seem benign, but it is in fact uh, a way for information to be shared or stolen including credit card information, bank information, social security numbers, um, and who knows what the fuck else. It seems that a big part of spoofing is not only to uh, lie or appear as someone other than the person doing that spoof, um, but also that there is a reason for a cyber attack, which seems overwhelmingly financial, according to my new dear good friends at CompTIA. And there's a problem here with Teresa seemingly being fed the idea that that call to, Mar- uh, to Margaret's child was an example of spoofing. To me, a layperson who is both not an attorney or a piece of technology or a member of CompTIA or a member of the cast, spoiler alert, is that there was no ask for that um, information that these other elements of spoofing mandate. There was no interest in taking a step forward in which to steal or have a transaction of information that can result in some sort of um, financial reward. You know, that's usually what happens when you steal, is that something is stolen. Either information that can help you defraud someone or an actual exchange or rather access to steal someone's money. To me, a layperson who is not a cop or a lawyer or Louis, thank God, or member of the Comp TIA or U.S. Postal Service, which is also referenced as you know an ad- advisor here, um, that it, it didn't to me seem like an example of information of someone masking as someone else in order to receive information that they could use to defraud them, to me, a layperson, it seemed like an example of harassment. Now, the way that Andy was talking about hacking, the way that other cast members seemed to be nodding about that um, taking place, was that there were people calling from phone numbers or presenting to call from phone numbers that were not accurate. And nothing else happened. Teresa was the only one in the cast who was like, oh, yeah, that happened to me. But also there was um, someone who answered. There was someone who, t- who was talking. It's interesting that that only happened with Teresa and no other members of the cast. I don't know yet again why that's another example that happens to support her defense. But it is interesting that she shared with the cast that she had done her research um, name-dropped the idea of spoofing and shared that as an example of what happened with Margaret and her kid, because to me, there was no ask or exchange of information. It was a direct threat, and it was a threat from someone who would need to have a vested interest in pretending to be Louie, threatening the child of a cast member that, like, sort of you don't know who you're fucking with, which is an interesting thing for someone to do because who would want to do that? If you ask Teresa, there are members of the cast with malintent. Margaret, who you would seem to kind of like not have as a potential here in Teresa Judy J's Game of Clue, because she can't be Scarlet with the rope in the library or whatever since it's impacting her kid. And what would the intention be? For anyone else on those couches, in which to pretend to be Louie, finding out private contact information for another member of the cast, threatening that cast member, that cast member's child to shut the fuck up. Who would be interested in silencing a family member of Marge to fuck with Margaret herself? Margaret would not seem to be a great contender here. And I don't know, apologies to the members of the Real Housewives of New Jersey, but I don't really see this as an ultimate game of inception where it's like inside the nesting doll and then inside the nesting doll and then inside the nesting doll is this other small nesting doll holding a sign that says, I want to fuck with Louis Ruelas because why not? That doesn't to me appear to be um, reasonable at this point. And I think in terms of like reasonable expectation of what a result would be, that's where things, to me, with Louis are not entirely lining up. And that goes into the trailer for next week's episode, when Louis Ruelas says, in an exchange with, I don't even remember who the fuck, probably Joe, let's play. He is inviting argument, um, Conflict and whatever else, and he seems to be enjoying it. It is a consistent exchange of behavior that matches up not always with the Louis he's portraying on camera, but all of these examples off. So, when we're talking about it's not always the crime, it's the cover up with Louis Ruelis, to me, it's both things. And the fact that there is this weird, odd, consistent thread throughout of this private investigator stuff which is obviously the thing that's upsetting the majority of the cast the most and is connected with both examples from Louis' past of how he has behaved with other people prior to meeting Teresa and also in Teresa's own acknowledgments over the course of this episode, an example of Louis' power and wealth that he has access to this. To me, it's not a question of can you afford it, But why would you want to? That to me is the stumbling block here. And it's the constant inconsistencies that are so frustrating. And while there are any number of people who you can see online dragging Teresa to absolute hell for her behavior over the course of this episode, I'm not even really doing that. I'm calling into question some of her responses, which don't make sense. But to me, they so obviously don't make sense because they're not true, but maybe they were fed to her. And I think the love bubble that she's in with Louis is so thick and so strong and so willful in Teresa's head that it always will answer with Louis being the best. It will always Seem to support the idea that someone is coming to attack her to bring her down, and they're using Louis as an example of that. The irony is that that defense is the thing she's using to say, Oh, well, the private investigator stuff didn't happen, but it did. But it's an example of how powerful and rich he is, and you just don't have the money to do shit like that. But also, it didn't happen. But also, people are trying to pretend to be my man, but also, my man did these things. It like, it, it doesn't add up. And it's unfortunate that the way that she is trying to connect, sort of understandably so, allegations about Louie with the idea that people are trying to bring her down, most especially Margaret, uh, Melissa, and Joe, the fact that that is impossible to separate. And I think that is what is so maddening in trying to discuss Teresa or maybe hold her accountable but I also think it's something that I feel and I know this is going to be like wild to some people to hear but almost sympathetic about because I think she's being deeply manipulated by this man there are red flags everywhere and the way to weaponize a red flag is to point toward a really poor relationship that you have with your sibling who you're also feuding with on national television and say people are only saying bad things about me because they're coming at you because you and Joe are mad and that is to me an excellent way of troubleshooting if I was Louie and of potentially manipulating the situation and you can talk about the myriad of examples he might have been love bombing Teresa and you know, might not be great. Spoiler alert. And while Teresa should be held accountable for her behavior, which was at many points mystifying over the course of this episode, I also think it's complicated. And I think the best idea for Teresa and Louis, who are acting as a unit, is to make it seem as simple as possible. But when you're saying that all of this stuff is simplistic, and didn't happen, but also did. And if it did happen, and it's an example of how great he is and also rich, it makes stuff a little bit confusing. And you have to look, for example, at that at what happened with Margaret, which was so maddening and upsetting to her and Teresa's response, which was calm, texting somebody we don't know who, magically minutes later, getting allegedly these calls that are seem to showing her that spoofing is taking place when I'm not quite sure that The harassment to Margaret's child fits within the spoofing um, definition or examples that I shared moments prior, and also the exchange that she had with Dolores about that. Margaret was so upset, and she pointed to Dolores at a certain point and was like, I told you about this. I told you what happened. Dolores appeared and quite literally said, I don't want to be a part of this. And Teresa instinctively said to Dolores, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that Margaret contacted you? As if to say that some of this reaction is your fault. Dolores' response was, well, you know, Margaret told me that you already knew about this. And frankly, it's fucked up. My words, not hers. And I don't want to be involved, her words and also mine. And I think that kind of quick positioning of responsibility here about the behavior and then potentially strategically or maybe not parroting or just responding with, oh, this is an example of this other thing that's connected to this other hacking thing that's affecting members of the cast and it's all the same, to equalize that and take away from the intention but also who it potentially supports is tough. I don't know that um, we are looking at a group of people who would be bending the world backwards and upsetting Dolores' child to make Louis feel or look bad. I don't see that being the case. If I was Teresa, who seemed to have a lot of emotion when she thought Jackie was, incorrectly, but saying that her child had done coke or whatever, Teresa had a very, very big response. She also didn't know in the moment that that was going to come out of Jackie's mouth, and she had an awareness and information prior to the reunion that this stuff with Marge's son and other events, um, maybe not all of them, but many of them had taken place in some capacity. And yet, if I was Teresa, I would be very upset at the idea that someone was calling Margaret's son pretending to be Louis and threatening them, essentially threatening Margaret in that moment to shut the fuck up. I would be very upset at the idea that someone would pretend to be my husband in that way. I would be very upset at the idea that someone would do that to a child because Teresa had a pretty big reaction when she thought that Jackie was coming for Gia. Even in using a comparison that she didn't, or an example that she didn't entirely understand. And yet we didn't really see that with Teresa. And I felt like it was because even though she had also already known that this had taken place, that a part of her was like, well, I I believe that this happened. And maybe I believe that he did it. And you need to talk to him. This part she did not say out loud, but what I'm about to say, she did. You need to talk to him about this when he comes out. There was a calmness and a centeredness in her, and an awareness that seems um, counter to her behavior when her children have been impacted. And while she had been given the time to hear that this had been taken place, that this had taken place, that doesn't entirely answer some of what I felt like was an instinctive reaction understanding that maybe he really did make that call and that to me is the difficulty and the tension here that made the reunion episode confounding and upsetting and maddening and impossible not to watch. So that's why it is after one in the morning and I'm talking to y'all about this because it was so interesting and because thanks to being an independent podcaster, I can put out what is technically a bonus 80 minute plus episode of AG to talk about all of this because I do think it's fascinating and because it directly correlates with the thesis and foundation of AG, which is talking about obviously what we're watching take place, but the psychology behind it, the introduction of private investigators in the way that it's being done on New Jersey. It's not the first time that there's been discussion about Investigators possibly involved. I mean, being shout out to Real Housewives of um, uh, Washington, D.C., because at one point Tark was referencing the FBI. So it's this is a new thing, though, in the way that a spouse of a housewife is consistently, conveniently, and possibly financially or otherwise utilizing and, and sharing information about how they utilize private investigators to silence people. The way that he leaned in on this at the finale as if to say, I have all of your numbers here. And I mean that spiritually, but also LOL, literally. I, I know more that I can use against you than what I've previously shared. So I'm going to threaten you with that, with that promise or maybe guarantee, which he backtracked on Watch what happens. And then someone doubled down in when calling Margaret's kid. It's all so fascinating and so wild, and it genuinely inspired me to like watch the episode twice and then hop on the AG mic here in the cloth because I just think it's so fucking nuts. And it's fascinating. It's the thing that makes The Real Housewives of New Jersey, for example, 13 seasons in, to me and having an unmissable reunion, something I can completely understand if you choose not to watch. My God, I mean, exhaustion factor. Factor times ten, but also this is a really fucking wild week <laughs> for Bravo. You've got Atlanta, you've got Jersey Reunion Part Two, crazy shit going down. You've got Orange County, Tamara being back, crazy shit might actually occur. And um, LOL VPR, what is going to be revealed in the last five minutes? And I felt like New Jersey um, needed the time to unpack some of this. I hope to discuss it on the next. AG Classic with one of my favorite guests, but I also, because there's so much um, and because I have the benefit of choosing to record an extra episode because I want to discuss it with you guys, um, that's all thanks to being an indie podcaster. Speaking of indie podcasting, my God, join me in watching New Jersey next week because Lord knows when Louie and the guys are on that couch, it's going to be fucking nuts Um, But join the Andy Scrolls Patreon. It's the number one way to support the pod. So I can hop on here in the club at 1 plus in the morning and talk about all of this. Um, Being an independent content creator and trying to make this a full-time thing requires a lot of time and focus and energy. And I'm so thankful to all of you, first off, for listening. If you've shared episodes or followed me on social media, there are so many free ways of supporting the podcast. Giving a five-star, focus on five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the number one way to um, market the podcast to future guests um, and other potential supporters of the podcast, including listeners following me on social, at Dame Galley on Instagram, listening to episodes. Thank you so much if you've made it to the end of this marathon uh, Michigas event. posting about episodes, adding me, and I'm happy to repost when episodes become available, content and uh um, commenting and engaging on social media about the podcast, maybe mentioning it to friends and fellow bravoholics is a great way and a free way to support the podcast. And of course, thanks to the um patri- Patreon <laughs> LOL AGs who um are an incredible and foundational um Uh, way of continuing the podcast. It is thanks to all of you for listening and especially thanks to the Patreon AGs who provide for me the space and time in which to continue focusing on making these episodes happen. And you can, by joining the AG Patreon, get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more at patreon.com slash girls. There's going to be a fucking long one, I'm going to tell you that, on the AG Patreon this week talking more about that article from the New York Post about Louie and some of your feedback to the reunion cycle, as well as Orange County, as well as Atlanta, and also a little show you might have heard called VPR. So thanks to all of you um, for joining the AG Patreon and um, to all of you for listening to this episode. I really felt the inspiration and necessity of hopping on here tonight, this late night recording, because uh, that 's the thing with housewives it's entertaining and inspiring, and um, it 's one of many reasons why I feel so fortunate to be a part of the AG community and to hop on here, including with solo episodes because there's just a whole fucking lot to discuss. Dare I say there is a, a little sweet joy in being able to hashtag mention it all and while I truly have no idea what I just said out loud, I would like to th- Thank the computer people whose organization I mentioned <laughs> and those of whom I engaged with on Instagram while I was losing my shit watching uh, New Jersey the first of two times tonight. Speaking of, um, everybody, prayer hands with the VPR uh, part three. I assume, um, spoiler alert, I truly, has anyone even seen it at this point? I feel like the editors are going to have blindfolds over their eyes and are just going to beep, boop, boop, like punch some things on a keyboard. What we have been led to believe um, by information shared on social media and in interviews is that it's something, and in the trailer, is that this big part three reveal has something to do with um, the last five minutes of the episode and is information the cast doesn't know about. The executive producer, in a follow up with The Hollywood Reporter that was released today, clarified it has nothing to do with. <gasps> Online speculation about a pregnancy, which is so problematic to um, hypothesize in the ways that it has been discussed, um, but it has nothing to do with that. Or possibly, I guess there was conversation that maybe it had something to do with like Raquel and Schwartz having an affair or something. Anyway, um, Alex had that interview with the Hollywood Reporter that you can uh, access and reveal if you. Um, access rather and read if you want to get more insight on um, what kind of speculation is even left. I assume it has something to do with the timeline. I assume it has something to do with um, when Tom and Raquel began their affair, or I don't know the affair itself. Um, I mean, LOL, obviously. But um, as far as some of like the wilder theories, I don't. I haven't found myself engaging with that path or, or honestly even believing it. But we'll see if it um, stands up. And I will be at the New York City finale event, which will seemingly include some surprise cast guests. So I know that there are finale events happening in New York and LA for live reactions. Follow me on Instagram and you will... <laughs> see me reacting to the audience's reaction (laughs) to the reveal, and if it feels like it's as ground ground shifting and ground shaking as we were led to believe, and maybe some interactions with members of the cast too. uh, And also, if you're an AG and are attending the New York event, I know there's one in LA as well, um, please come up and say hi. Tell me what you think the part three is, and if you were able to get through the end of tonight's ep, I would love to hear about it. (laughs) um thanks to all of you for listening to for you for being patreon uh supporters if you're a member of the ag patreon for being ags for those of you who are ogs of the ag potentially going far back in the journey um that has led us to this point i'm so thankful to all of you i'm so thankful when i get messages of support um it is an odd thing to be a solo indie podcaster um recording you know, as I am solo tonight in the call office. And yet I feel so engaged in conversation with all of you um, that it makes me so happy when I have the opportunity to interact on Instagram or IRL because I can sort of feel the vibe as I'm recording and oftentimes arguing with myself. Um, so on that note, hopefully this episode made some sense. But even if it didn't, don't worry because there's another one coming soon. Um, prayers to all of us for the VPR part three and for new jersey part three and orange county episode one and hopefully some forward movement in atlanta with next week's next week's episode six let me know your thoughts and feels on this episode and um listen guys i'll chat with you soon all right goodbye